Welcome to Art of Investing, a podcast that asks business professionals about their journey to success and how they invested their time in the process. I'm Dylan Huang. I am a sophomore at Monta Vista High School in Cupertino, California. Our fourth guest is Catherine Xu, a product manager at LinkedIn who graduated from the local Limbrook High School and Stanford University. If our conversations and content interest you, please follow our Spotify, Google, and Apple podcast. Without further ado, let's get started with episode four of Art of Investing. Hello, Ms. Xu. Thank you so much for taking the time to conduct this interview with me today. It's an honor to have you as the fourth guest of the podcast that is aimed at providing insights and inspirations to teens in the Bay Area. To begin with, may I request that you provide a brief background of your schooling and career all here in the Bay Area so we can get to know you a bit better. Yeah, definitely. Um, first of all, I don't think I've ever had anybody call me Miss Chu before. Um, so definitely interesting. Feel free to just call me Kat. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm Kat. I'm currently a um, associate product manager at LinkedIn. Um, I attended high school in the Bay Area, so I went to Lindbergh High School, um, graduated in class of 2014. Um, and then I went to Stanford afterwards and I did a bachelor's in symbolic systems, um, which is basically this interdisciplinary major where you study uh, philosophy, psychology, linguistics and computer science in one major. Um, you can kind of think of it as like the study of how different like symbol, different systems interpret symbols. So like um, how language is a symbol that humans use and how that relates to like natural language processing in computer science. Um, so yeah, I did my bachelor's in that. And then um, the year after I did what's called a co-term. So it's basically like a, like a one year master's pretty much um, I did that in computer science and I was focusing on human computer interaction. Um, so mostly like, uh, mostly like design, interaction design oriented things. Um, after that, I took about a six month um, time period off and um, I started my job at LinkedIn um, in September of 2019. So I just passed about a year, um, almost like a year and a half. And yeah, currently I'm on the search team at LinkedIn and um, yeah, I work as a product manager there. Well, your background certainly strikes pretty close to home for a lot of, for me and a lot of like the listeners. So just to dive into like the first question, pretty um, general is what are like the top three skills or traits that you believe that high school students should acquire earlier in their lives and just to help them through the high school and college processes? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so I think the first skill um, I would say is learning how to communicate effectively. Um, I think it's a pretty generic skill. You might have heard this from a lot of people before. Um, but I think especially as you start to work, um, yeah, especially as you start to like work in, in the actual workplace and you start um working with people that are like from a bunch of different backgrounds and a bunch of different ages um i think 
yeah, learning how to effectively communicate with the team that you're working with is super important. Um, one book that I would really recommend and I think has been really life-changing for me personally is um, this book called Nonviolent Communication. Um, so yeah, it basically is like, it's a pretty intuitive like four-step framework on how to communicate in a way that doesn't um, doesn't really compromise like your own needs and values, but still like gets the point across. Um, yeah, so that's that's one book I would really recommend. I think like just to kind of reemphasize like how important this is, like um, even when you're like living with housemates after graduation or like during college, I think there's like so many things to be worked out. Um, like I'm living with one of my best friends right now, and I think like having clear communication is super important like when things aren't really the way that you want them to be um i think you don't really want to like suppress that like you want to you want to be able to say something about it and just like clear the air instead of kind of harboring this like resentment towards the other person so yeah having like a good tool that you can use to communicate with people um i think is really important um the second thing, I don't know if this is really like a skill or trait, um, but I think it's important to, f to be comfortable with failing. Uh, that's one thing that I feel like I personally didn't get a lot of exposure to in my high school years. I think a lot of us growing, in the growing up in the Bay Area, like our parents do a pretty good job of shielding us from any failures. Like they're kind of um, you know, they'll do a lot of research for you in terms of like, uh, like what they think you should do. Um, like what are some like, what are like the safe routes that you can take? Um, and I think what ends up happening is when you don't fail ever, um, it becomes really hard to like explore different things. Like you become confined to like a very like set path of things that are like safe and comfortable for you. And depending on like, you know, depending on what you ultimately want, I think like some people find a lot of comfort in that and they're okay with it. For me personally, like in my adult life, I'm finding myself like grappling with the fact that like there are a lot of things that I wanna do and try, but I realize I'm actually really afraid to do them. Um, and I think part of it is like this, growing up with this like very like perfectionistic, um, yeah, growing up in a very perfectionistic environment where like I haven't failed that much. Um, so, so yeah, I think like kind of just building that mentality of like failing fast and often. Um, you'll probably hear a lot of like people who work in tech say this as well because that's like a very like product oriented approach. Um, but yeah, I, that's something I would recommend. Um, and then I think kind of along the kind of along the same lines it's like kind of just like seeing uh this is also more of a mentality than like a hard skill or trait but like developing curiosity about things like when I think back to my high school years I feel like one question that I wasn't asked a lot is like what do you care about or like what are you curious about um and I find myself sort of searching for that a lot in my adult life um and another reason why I would say like it's important to approach life with curiosity is like post 
college i think you will meet a lot of people in your adult life who just do like do not come from the same paths as you did and um i think having like that curiosity mindset like allows you to build a community a lot of people uh after they graduate from college really struggle to find a community um because you're out living by yourself and you kind of have to like your communities are now more based around like interests that you have um as opposed to like what you do necessarily so um i think having that curiosity sort of drives like the interests that you form and then drives like the communities that you have in your adult life um so yeah those are three things not necessarily like skills or traits but like more like mentalities that i would um i would consider i would yeah i would recommend considering earlier on okay thank you for your when you talked about like being comfortable from failing you mentioned how you were growing up like a perfectionist mindset um could you share like how you built this mindset or, like when did you start having it yeah yeah um yeah i think like for anyone growing up in the barrier um i think like the results that you aim for in high school are very are very like results driven um so i know that for me in high school i was very much like I really cared about my grades. Uh, I really cared about doing well academically. And those were measured by like very um, objective standards, like, um, and really like quantitative measures. Um, yeah, and, and I think, um, I think that was kind of like the, the start of, um, I think, yeah, that was sort of like the start of like me kind of like narrowing what I see as successful to like a very, um, very small set of things. Um, when in reality, like, I think success in adult life looks very, very different. Like it's no longer about like, uh, you know, like how much money you make or like what position you have in your job. Um, but people can walk so many different paths like it's it's also about like like you know how is how how many like relationships do you have that are valuable um or maybe I shouldn't say like how many but like the quality of your relationships and like further on like you know your family life and those things um so I think like sorry about the doc um but yeah I think like the the number of variables of things that matter later on in life just become like uh they just expand and I think in high school like the perfectionistic part was driven mostly by this over indexing on grades and these quantitative measures well for both your answer to this and the initial question you did mention like developing strong quality connections is just having these good connections and like com building communities in the workplace does that generally help you in like the long run or in like a short period of time Yes, I think um, I think more and more I'm realizing the importance of the quality of my relationships. Um, I think there's a certain point for me where, like, I'm a very achievement-driven person just by nature of like growing up in a very like academically competitive environment, and um, I think at a certain point I realized that a lot of these things, like the, I was always trying to get at the like next thing and the next thing. And 
I realized at a certain point that like that sort of would never be like a satisfied like I would never be satisfied that way um and I I almost felt like there was sort of like this midlife crisis that I had that was like okay why do I why do I even want this next thing that's in front of me I'm wanting it because like a lot of other people want it but um you know there are always going to be these like next things like the next promotion or like the next like big company and it's kind of it kind of felt like I was just like uh what's the analogy it's like chasing a carrot on a stick or something um but I was yeah it felt just I just didn't feel satisfied doing that and I think like the moments when I have felt really like um really like happy and content or like the times when I'm like spending quality time with friends or I feel like I'm um it can be something simple like even just like watching tv with friends like it's not seen as very productive um but I think we all kind of need these moments when we're not productive and we're just kind of like yeah, we're not really striving for anything. It's just like being with somebody else and like taking it and soaking that time in. Um, so I, I think like, yeah, being like a really achievement driven person, I think I sort of grew tired of the like achievement mindset. And I started to like that as a result started to make me realize like the importance of the quality of my relationships. Thank you for sharing that. That is definitely very valuable for anyone that's trying to develop relationships and people who already have developed pretty solid relationships. Now, moving on to the next question. What do you think are like the top three career paths or professions that you would recommend high school students in the Bay Area to invest their time in and why? Yeah, um, that is a really hard question for me to answer I think um considering that this is my first like full-time job and um I haven't been in a lot of different career paths like I think there's so so many career paths that I I want to explore so hard to say like what I would generally recommend for high school students I think like um one thing that I would say to consider like I think it could provide like a framework of how I think of career paths now. Um, So generally I see like two different frameworks. Like one is a top-down perspective and one is a bottoms-up perspective. So the bottoms-up perspective is, um, it would be me saying like, I have a set of things that I want to learn and I'm gonna go to like this company or I'm gonna work at this place to learn them. And you, it's kind of, you don't necessarily know what you want to do ultimately or like what you want to like contribute, but you want to like learn a certain like skill set. The top down perspective is more of, um, I have a strong vision of what I think the world should be like in 10 years or like what I think the, like the area of climate change should look like in 10 years. And now I'm gonna go and I'm gonna find like a company or an organization that allows me to do work that gets me closer to building that vision. Um, I think when I started out my career, I was very much in the bottoms up category. I was um, like, I knew I liked working with people. I knew I was interested in like organizational development. I was interested in like teams and like 
like team dynamics um I wanted a role that would allow me to like build a team um to like experiment with like how do I how do I like build psychological safety within a team for example um I also wanted a role that like allowed me to build products um like yeah specifically to like be involved in like user research and design things um so yeah I think I ended up doing a product management program and I was like okay I'm like here and I'm gonna learn things and I'm just gonna try things that are like are very different like something that I might not have expect like a team that I might not have expected to join and then like now another team that like I think I would learn like xyz and I think the learning I'm realizing has been a little bit less directed because there's always things that you can learn um and I think I'm reaching this point where I'm like okay well what is that like vision that I have of what the world could be so I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to transition basically to the top stand approach that I talked about um I think that like I'm not sure if I would recommend like right off the bat, um, like I think it's hard to like form that vision and I would recommend people like start to read books around like if you're interested in education, for example, like start to read books on education, what people are saying like about the future of education um, so that you can kind of like start developing that top-down perspective. I realize that a lot of Bay Area students are very good at like, like doing things, um, but it's kind of like, well, you know, there are like so many mountains that you can be climbing, like which mountain are you choosing to climb? Um, and, and yeah, I, I think I would recommend people to start, start thinking about that top-down perspective a little bit earlier on. Okay. So I know, I know that didn't really answer your question, but hopefully that was like a framework to kind of figure out like what career path works for you. Yeah. Yes, I, I think that actually answers the question pretty well because a lot of times for career paths people like have an idea of three career paths they might want to go into but then either like time or other restrictions they end up having to switch to other ones and just knowing how to organize your like thoughts and having like different perspectives is definitely going to help a lot for my future and a lot of the audience members futures so how did you choose like which major to go in for your bachelor's and master's at stanford yeah, um, I think I've always, so in high school, I think there was definitely a part of me that was like, wow, everybody is very into like science and um, maybe that's something I should be into too. And I, I felt myself like constantly trying to like get into that, but just like there was a lot of friction there. And I think looking back at that time, I'm realizing that actually like I'm very much like a like people oriented like humanities driven person um the things that I enjoy are like kind of like understanding like philosophy like reading philosophy um understanding like history um getting to know like you know why people are a certain way or like what principles drive people um to be the way that they are today. Um, I think those things are tied more to like psychology and philosophy. And um, yeah, so I think that uh, I was looking for something that sort of tied all of, all of those together. Um, there was a part of me that still wanted to do something like practical. I think there's like 
um there was a little bit of like fear of like okay if I'm gonna study like just philosophy like what am I gonna do with that um so yeah I think the major that I ended up choosing symbolic systems uh which I mentioned is sort of like a combination of like four different fields right um that worked out well in terms of like how like allowing me to like take all these psychology philosophy classes and then also like do something practical um I don't have like a super inspirational story in terms of like yeah I was like I don't know this is what I've always wanted to build and this was like the perfect major I think like going back to like the tops down bottoms up perspective like this was very much like a bottoms up choosing of my major which was like okay these are the things that like I am generally interested in and I want to combine them somehow but I don't know what I'm going to do with it necessarily um so yeah that's how I ended up choosing symbolic systems as a major um and in terms of uh in terms of like the master's so I did my master's in computer science which I will caveat is like um I did it in human computer interactions so it's not the computer science that you might be familiar with in terms of like all the like AI things or like um like the I guess I would call like hardcore computer science things um I was more interested in like interaction design design thinking basically what that is is like um learning how to like take a set of like needs that people have like identifying the needs and then like prototyping and building a product around it um that's that's generally like the design thinking process um so yeah i i really like that process because i think it was sort of like again um serving my interest of like being interested in people and understanding like how they work i think that that was like that fit well um so yeah um and i think i've always kind of been like more on the like artsy creative side and i think um human computer interaction allowed me to do that um yeah i, I think I'll, you'll also find that like a lot of people will take a fifth year to kind of just like figure out what they want um so that that like fifth year co-term masters is kind of like an extra uh it just kind of like buys you some extra time um i think that was definitely like another reason for me too was like i was still figuring things out and still am thank you now that you shared about like your perspectives in the work field and then backing up a bit to college, the graduate school and then undergrad, now let's back up a little bit more to high school and just, I was wondering like, what are your top three pieces of advice for high school students on like mistakes or things to avoid based on like things you've seen in your like career or just maybe mistakes you might have made in your schooling? Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I think, I think one advice I would give is um, try to stay away from like thinking linearly. Like I think I find this easy a lot of myself. I see this a lot of my friends too as well. It's like, what does it mean to live my best life? And I think that word best is kind of like, it almost kind of doesn't make sense. Like, what does, what does that really mean? Um, there's no, like, 
yeah I think it's really hard to like on what basis are you judging best sort of it's really hard to say because again there's so many factors and I think like that linear thinking um really narrows down like the amount of things that you can explore um it and it also kind of like kills the curiosity so going back to like the points that I brought up in the beginning I think like one piece of advice is like don't think linearly I think a book also that really like um describes as well is designing your life um it's also a class at stanford i would really recommend this book it kind of takes that whole design thinking process that i've been talking about and um applies it like allows you to apply it to your life um so like in design you work through a lot of like very hairy ambiguous problems and you do that through a framework called design thinking and same thing with your life like the question of what do i want to do with my life is a big and hairy problem that doesn't have one right answer and you can apply that like design thinking framework um to this question of your life as well um so i would recommend looking at that book i think it kind of like iterates on this point uh, or explains this point really well um the second thing the second piece of advice i would say is like get to know yourself like spend more time with yourself um and you can do that by like taking like 10 minutes out of your day to journal I would really recommend like like journaling with pen and paper as opposed to typing um I think it kind of forces you to slow down a little bit like there's so much stimulation in our lives today that I think we don't really get that time to like slow down and just like be with ourselves um and just kind of like recognize where we are right now um I think like to go anywhere you kind of know you kind of have to know like where you are right now and you kind of have to accept that so I think journaling is a good activity to kind of really get like present with like here's where I am right now and like here are the things that like I'm dealing with or like I'm I'm realizing like I'm not able to accept um and just like yeah write those out I always feel like it gives me so much clarity to do that so um that's something that I would recommend people do um the third thing I would say is like I would I would really recommend that like people start to get connected with their families um I know that like high school can be a really tough time in terms of um just like family dynamics I know like I I feel like growing up I I didn't have a whole lot of conflict with my parents because I think what I wanted for myself was kind of similar to what they wanted for me but I know a lot of like my sister did for example and a lot of my friends have also like um like a lot of my friends are not close to their parents today because of just kind of like tr like traumatic times during high school it's like a really high stress time and so these things happen um but I feel like it's really connect it's really important to get connected with your family because what it allows is for you to kind of get to know your place in history like I would recommend asking your parents like just about their childhood stories and like what was like what what was their mom like or like your grandmother uh, like yeah what was their grandmother like um what what was it like for them when they were like 10 years old um kind of getting to know like what their identity is outside of being like your mom or your dad um 
the reason why I think this is important is I think the world is becoming increasingly self-centered. Um, like we all feel like we have a lot of agency to do things on our own. Um, and I think that sort of creates a lot of ego around things. Um, but I think to really do something impactful, whether you want to do that like with your work or something else, like we really kind of have to step out of that like self-centered egotistical um, mindset and yeah I think like getting to know your family is one way of, of doing that and getting connected to like a broader narrative that you're a part of um I think it also gives you something to be grounded on um there's so many things that like we want to strive for today it's like good to be grounded in something so yeah those are like the the top three advice I would have I guess um yeah, I didn't really talk about like mistakes I would avoid, I guess. Uh, I'm not super sure about that one. Um, I don't have any like strong regrets from my high school time. Um, but I, I mean, I think a lot of these things that I'm saying are like things that I wish I had done earlier on. So um, yeah. Well, your last statement actually kind of answered my next question, but it's kind of a cliche question, but I will ask it anyways. But what if you like if you could go back to high school or college, one of the choosing one of your choosing, which one would you go to? And like, what would what is one thing, one main thing that you would change about just what you've done in high school or just you know, how you spent your time? Yeah. Yeah, well. I think one thing that I really wish I did was take a gap year between high school and college. Um, yeah, I, I really, so instead of doing this between high school and college, I actually did this between college and starting my first job. So I mentioned I took six months off and what I did basically was I traveled um, without a plan and I ended up in China and spent um, spent about four months there, basically teaching a combination of meditation and design thinking. Um, I think that time was really valuable because in high school, you don't really get that much time to kind of do nothing or like have open-ended exploration like there's always something coming up you know like an SAT that you have to study for or like tests that you have to study for and um, I think so much can open up in a time when you just have like it feels like you have endless time basically like you you give yourself a whole year it feels like yeah it just feels like you have so much time and I think so much can come out of that time like you don't know what but but yeah, something will come out of it. Um, and I also think that it kind of sets you up well for college because you don't really want to be going into college like the same way that, um, the same way that like you might be uh, in high school. So like if you're somebody who, well, yeah, I guess if you're somebody in high school who like studies really hard and like has spent most of their time focusing on academics, which I know is true for a lot of various students, like 
I would not recommend spending your college time like focusing a lot on academics and like doing well in your classes like I think college is such a rich time to get to know different people um and like step out of your comfort zone try different things explore different things and um that like exploration is a skill to to be developed basically so I think that year off can kind of like help you hone that skill um yeah there won't be a time or I would say like, it's really hard to find another time in your life when you're like around so many people from different backgrounds. And um, like the Bay is a really homogenous place depending on like which high school you're going to, but generally it's pretty homogenous. And I think like taking a year off to travel like kind of allows you to learn how to talk to different people um, so that you can do that in college. You can have like more diverse set of friends and stuff. Um, so, so yeah, that's one thing that I really wish I did and I would really recommend. That's actually extremely interesting and I definitely will consider taking a gap year before college if possible. And yeah, I hope that that would help me like get a new mindset and just in general, get me prepared for college better and get to like know how to interact with all people a little bit better. Yeah. So keeping on the same like high school to college track, what do you think is like the biggest differentiating factor for you and some of like the other college candidates when you were applying? Mm, yeah, I think for me, um, I spent a lot of time in high school playing piano. Um, so yeah, I basically started piano, playing piano when I was six. And then um, when I was in sixth grade, I started going to San Francisco for um, piano lessons and basically like yeah I think sometime around middle school was like when I realized that I actually really enjoyed it and I spent a lot of time doing it in high school um, I basically spent from like seven to ten uh, practicing piano and then I also went to a conservatory over the weekend um, I think yeah, that was something that I wrote about in my college essays that I think like probably helped me stand out. Um, I don't know for sure, but but yeah, I, I did some like an art supplement and I talked a lot about like how um, piano was like a way for me to kind of like combine, combine like the literature that I was reading in like um, in like AP Lit and um yeah like yeah basically like combine like literature and also like go back in time and kind of like explore history and then channel that all through the music that I was playing um I think yeah generally I was like I liked it because I felt like it gave me the time to like emote basically <laughs> um yeah, so I, I talked a lot about it in my college essays, um, and I think that's what set me apart. Well, I'm sure you had a very good time playing piano, and you obviously enjoyed it to play it for such a long period of time. So what do you think is like one of the most or a few of the most important things you have learned from piano and something just that stays with you for the rest of your life and you'll like always remember? Yeah. There's a story that I always tell people, which is um, when I was like probably in ninth or 10th grade, I started volunteering at a senior center and 
um, basically I was like playing piano during dinner time and up until then I think piano had always been like a very individual activity for me like as a pianist you're not really part of like, a, like an orchestra you're kind of just like practicing on your own and that was the case for me like I always just practiced on my own and this was it was interesting because like it was my first time like casually playing for other people I did a lot of like competitions and whatnot and recitals but um yeah never in this sort of like casual informal environment so it's volunteering at the senior center and um the first time I went there I like brought all of my like piano books like all these pieces that I had been practicing for like like six to eight months and like was honing and like getting all the like intricacies down and one of the pieces that I brought was this like Prokofiev sonata and for those that don't know like Prokofiev is like kind of like this very like traumatized man like traumatized sarcastic man um who like lived during like the Soviet Union period and um yeah, like his pieces are very emblematic of like his madness and there's a lot of like jarring sounds in his pieces. So anyway, it's like basically not a good piece to be playing to a bunch of senior citizens. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was like at the time I was playing like Prokofiev Sonata number six um, and the piece has like, it's like literally one of his like war sonatas. So it has a lot of like banging noises that are like, uh, they're basically like representing like the war machines and stuff and yeah so I started like playing this piece because I'm like oh yeah like this is going to be really impressive um and obviously they were like kind of not impressed they're like because <laughs> like I'm playing during their dinner time and they're just like they're like we're trying to eat dinner <laughs> like we're trying to have a good time and you're playing this war sonata and it's like so loud and jarring and like it's just not fun so yeah I was like playing and like this guy came up to me and was like hey like can you play something like a little bit like calmer maybe you can play like twinkle twinkle or like some like um uh what's that guy's name I don't know some 60s singer I forgot his name but, like yeah can you like play some of this like oh it was like fly me to the moon or something and I was like oh that's really interesting because I actually don't know how to play this piece like I don't have the sheet music in front of me so I can't play it um because yeah I think like I was like classically trained so like without the sheet music I can't just like improvise um but yeah I think that was like my first time sort of realizing like that it's not really about me um like this isn't like a like a performance stage it's like people are like here eating dinner and they want to interact with you they don't care how good you are at piano like um you know, if you can play something enjoyable for them, then like they're happy and they want to like they want to talk to you. Like I, when I first started volunteering, I like literally just walked in and I would, like play my pieces and I would just leave. Um, but but yeah, I think that was like yeah, that was like a good. Um, I think it was a good experience in that like I learned how to like sort of share these activities that I enjoy with other people and like bring other people in. And it's not just about like how good you are, like being somebody who like cares about achievement like that was a moment when it was like dude achievement doesn't really matter um so so yeah I think that's like one lesson that I learned from playing piano that I would like remember for a long time actually you sharing about your volunteering at senior centers is actually very relatable for me because actually since seventh grade I have been also doing the same thing and I started the first few years just playing alone into the dining hall when they're having lunch and a lot of the times 
I've noticed that they enjoy really like childish pieces like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star like if you're happy you know clap your hands versus like harder more complicated pieces and yeah. <laughs> I think I've learned to like adapt to and just know that a lot of times it's really important on like how you interact with them not just like how what you perform and bring to them so I think I definitely learned a lot and I can tell that you learned a lot from that process too mm. so one last question I had was that because you graduated from Limbrook and that's in like the more competitive Bay Area area. So what do you think is like the main ways that Limbrook or like other schools in the FUHSD shape a, like a person? Yeah. Um, good question. I, I think a lot of people will, will think this way. I, I think schools like Lindbergh or like other other ones in like FUHSD like um I mean a lot of them are quite competitive and I think it really like I think you build good foundations in terms of like you know being able to like work hard um like build your yeah basically it like builds your work work ethic so you I think you end up having like a very strong work ethic um that being said I think I think it also kind of constrains like your exploration um I I don't know like hopefully like people these days are like being encouraged to try different things but I always felt like I saw people doing like the same set of things and honestly like I felt like I had to do that same set of things too. Like, um, I mean, computer science is like a big thing now, but like it wasn't super big back then. Like, I think a lot of people were interested in like biology. Um, and like every summer, almost everybody would go to like Stanford to volunteer in a lab. I don't know if that's still the case, but, um, but yeah, that's something that I did as well. And I think it, it kind of like, squanders the the like privilege and the opportunity um to like do bigger things um I think yeah going yeah I think like when you're kind of striving for like the goal of like okay getting good grades and then getting into a good college like you kind of don't realize like all of the other things that you could be doing that like maybe are less like defined and generally less accepted um or like people or like, yeah, maybe more like risky. Um, but the thing is like, people growing up in this area have a lot of privilege. Like this is a really like wealthy area. Um, and I think, you know, coming from, I mean, not saying that like everybody's coming from this background, but I think a lot of people are coming from a background where like their parents are really like pretty well off and their parents are, will like be there for them and I think that gives the opportunity for people to take risks but the environment itself doesn't really um encourage risk taking at all and yeah it's kind of like well if these people who like have a lot of privilege are not going to take risks then like who will because these are the people that are in the position to do so um so so yeah sorry for the original question but like <laughs> um I think that's something that like these schools in the barrier can do a little bit better of I mean, it's not really on the school it's more just like on the general um culture um but 
But yeah, that's something that I really wish to see more of. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much for sharing everything today and all your experiences and advice for students in the Bay Area. I owe you a huge thank you for joining my podcast. And I hope your insights will answer any questions aspiring business leaders and high schoolers have. Thank you, Kat. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm always happy to talk to high schoolers. Um, One quick plug I'll do here is a couple of friends and I are very passionate about um, mentoring and mentoring high schoolers and also building stronger intergenerational relationships with um, high schoolers and their parents. Um, so we have this group called RICE, which stands for Real Intergenerational Communication Enthusiasts. And we've been doing these workshops, uh, teaching parents how to better communicate with their kids, um, like teenage kids, especially, because uh, I think this can be a tough time, um, especially like, you know, you have parents who like speak different language and come from a different background and have different values. And like, think in the teenage years is when those values really start to clash and those differences really start to cause a lot of friction. So, um, so yeah, my friends and I have run these communication workshops. Um, we've done a couple uh, to people in the Bay Area and then we did one in Stuyvesant um, for Stuyvesant High School in New York a couple of weeks back. Um, so yeah, like always happy to chat about these things. Um, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, um, yeah, I'll ask Dylan to put my contact info, I guess, in the uh, podcast description, but yeah. Yes, I'll be sure to check it out and put it in the podcast description for you. And again, thank you so much. And I hope you have a good day. Yeah, thanks, Dylan. This is Dylan, presented by Art of Investing. That's it for now. If you enjoyed today's episode, follow us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Until next time.